Hey friends, welcome back to Space for Life. So glad you're joining us today. I'm here again with my co-host, Patricia Clark, and so glad to be together. And we're going to have a fun episode today. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, Do you want me to introduce the topic? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, so it's the end of the school year, beginning of summer, and I remember this when I was a student, and now I say it to my own kids, this idea of finish well. And it's always exhausting when people would say that to me because I'm like, oh, the summer is right around the corner. I don't really want to study for this exam. But if we think about it in terms of finishing well in your life and not just finishing well in a semester or finishing well in a project, it takes on a whole new meaning. And that's what we want to talk about today because finishing well, um, when you have that kind of mindset, I think it changes the way you think about how you're living, whether you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. So this episode, even though it's about kind of some later in life things you're thinking about, really impacts how we live now, even for those of us who aren't in our our 60s. Can we say that? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we we can. can. Um, Okay. And we rarely think about actually finishing well on the totality of life. Right. You know, we think about finishing our career well or finishing our parenting well or finishing a project well, but it's a, it's a different thing to think about, you know, what would it mean to finish all of life? Well, Mm -hmm. what would that look like? And I kind of want to delve into that. And as you said, uh, my belief and we'll get a little bit more into this, is that this is an intensely relevant topic for anyone of any age. Because if you go through the exercise that, that we'll, we'll talk about a little in this, it's incredibly clarifying mm-hmm. as to where you want to go and what's the process of getting there which is so important. So um, if you feel like, well, I'm too young for this or this is not my stage, uh, stick stick with us on this because I think this can be a, a really meaningful process to go through, um, which I did many years ago, which is uh, kind of what brings this up. This is actually 30, 35 years brewing for me as a topic. So you've been thinking about finishing well and what you want the end of your life to look like for 30 some years. I mean, that's not surprising to me, but I do think that's a little unusual. Well, it is a little unusual and it didn't come through naturally. So many, many years ago, uh, I came across a book uh, that was a phenomenal book. It's a book by Gordon McDonald called The Life God Blesses. Hmm. And to be honest, I'm not wild about the title, but the book was absolutely phenomenal, mm-hmm. the, the totality of the book. But within that book, there was a chapter that just stopped me in my tracks. And it was this chapter about two-thirds of the way through, and he introduced the topic of what kind of old man do I want to be? And the the topic just it kind of jumped to the surface and uh, my good friend David Dwight and I were, I think, reading the book at the same time. 
And we all of a sudden started talking about this subject. And the way he went about this was uh, surprising because the whole first part of the conversation was I asked this question and then I looked around and I couldn't find many old men that I wanted to be like. Hmm. And I thought, ooh, that's disturbing. And he, he started to list the characteristics of most older men. I'm sure it would be true of women too, but he was talking about men. And all of a sudden you realize that many people, maybe even most people, do not age well and they do not finish well in life. And then he began to get into the characteristics of the few people that he aspired to, Mm -hmm. that aged well, that were finishing well. And so it got, got this whole thing going in my mind of, well, what matters to me? What would define for me finishing well in life? And so couple that with a big birthday that I just hit, and this topic's been front of mind. All right, so we're going to talk about finishing well, and I do think that this is important for, I'm I'm not hugely younger than you, but definitely in a different season in You're life. You're hugely younger All than right, me. All right, we'll go with that. <laughs> but, you know, it's that whole idea of if you turn your body even one degree over time, you end up in a radically different place. And so it's this idea of taking this long view of where you want to, want to be And then implementing it, like kind of casting the fishing line to the future, reeling it in and looking at the micro decisions we're making every day and using that end goal as like a decision filter, really, to Mm -hmm. help you think, do I want to make this choice or that choice? Not that we can't redirect. I mean, we all make mistakes all the time. But I'm listening to this as someone who's slightly younger than you with that. Yeah. Yeah. With that in mind. I mean. Honestly, some of your wisdom about aging has already impacted me in yeah. terms of going for it with things that I'm maybe timid or afraid of. Because don't you think the older we get, we just start to be a little a little reticent and timid about trying new things? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that's that's one of the things that, that I've identified that I have a really strong uh, effort to push against because everything with age, particularly kind of once you get to, let's say, latter 50s, 60s, everything pushes to narrowing in, hmm. to taking the easy road, doing a little bit of less, resting on your laurels. You can use all sorts of phrases, but it's all a kind of a narrowing in. And that narrowing in, while it seems and feels comfortable and natural in the moment, is deathly in the long haul, you know, in terms of what we do. And so uh, one of the things that's very top of mind for me, in fact, it's one of my two goals for the year, is to stretch out. It's to do the hard things, go to the uncomfortable places, mm-hmm. uh, stretch, push myself, challenge myself. And I'm finding so much life in that. But kind of once you hit a certain stage, that 
no longer becomes natural. Yeah, you know, I have always had an adventuresome spirit and I love novelty. I love doing new things. But I've noticed a huge downward trajectory in terms of my drive to initiate new things, even in my 40s. And if I were to speak to my younger self, even high school, college, 20s, I would say walk through as many doors as you can in terms of opportunities to try new things because it's easier to do it when you're younger. And what I've found is that things that I tried when I was younger, now I can do because it's not so scary and new. Yes. Um, Mm -hmm. Like I have spent a lot of time on the trail system in Richmond. I've been doing it for years. I know them like the back of my hand. But my friends are like, oh, I really want to get into hiking, but that, you know, I don't want to go on that trail or I don't know where I'm going or I'll get lost. And I keep thinking I'm so grateful I did this when I was younger because that feels like home to me. But there are other things that feel kind of scary and I can already sense in my 40s life narrowing. And I've watched you push against that. Well, I I do push against that. And it's the fun in life. Yeah. I mean, this podcast is a pushing against that. I mean, it's not something that, you know, I have to do. I, I, I have to admit I am not becoming a millionaire doing this, you know. <laughs> so it's something that's effort. Yeah. But it's so rewarding and it's so life-giving. Mm-hmm. Um, and we develop that mindset of saying, I'm going to constantly be pushing and challenging myself. That is where life and joy and happiness and purpose are to be found in doing those things. And so I'm going to develop a mindset where I'm never going to stop doing that things. And that doesn't mean in my mind that therefore I need to work for a living until I'm 80 years old. Mm -hmm. That's not what I'm talking about at least in my mind, if people want to do that for the right reasons, absolutely nothing wrong with that. But that's not what I'm talking about with this. So tell me in your mind what finishing well means. What are some of the main points? Well, I tell you what, I'll I'll take that um, a step further because after reading that chapter, probably a decade or so later, you know, I do think about this kind of thing. Thing a lot and I have a life mission statement and guiding principles and I do goals so one of the lists that I came up for myself with you know many years back was a list that I call finish well strong to the end mm. and I wanted to answer with as much precision as possible what does it mean for me to finish the entirety of my life well Literally, when I'm on my deathbed, what do I want to look back and say, I did this all the way to the end. Mm-hmm. And so I came up with a list, and I I review it every week. I look at it to say, okay, am I going that direction? Does this still represent? Is there anything that I've left out? Mm-hmm. So um, kind of a little daunting, but I'll share the list because it, both says what's important to me, and it also says a bit of what I aspire mm-hmm. to. So here's my list. Finish well, strong to the end. First on the list is faithfulness to my God. Mm-hmm. Um, 
we'll, we'll come back maybe and unpack some of these. Second on the list, faithfulness to my wife. Third, guide and support Chris and Alex, my sons, Nina and McKenna, daughter-in-laws, and their families as much as possible. Next, live mission as much as I am able for as long as I am able. Next, stay as healthy as my body and age will allow. Maintain optimism and hope. Embrace other orientation, always reaching to those younger than I. Always continue growing and help others thrive. So I'll... um, I'll even be as bold as to put these in the in the show notes. Not that mine are the same as anybody else's, but to just suggest a, a way of perhaps framing this for people. And these represent, you know, what in the end to me is very important. They also re- represent to me places that I see people declining or failing even in their later years. You know, where I I do see some people that I uh, had tremendous respect for them and their faith and their living out in their faith that kind of just it peters out in their later years. Well, you know, that's just one example. I, I think there's a good reason for it. I think there's like a scientific reason for it. I mean, if you look at I'm going to just take it to our physical bodies. I'm not even talking about you know, our choices we make in life. Right. But I've been learning about fitness that after the age of, I can't remember if it's 40 or 45, but you stop producing muscle maths um, and your muscle mass starts to go down naturally. 1% a year. Yeah. I also know, yeah, you probably know the actual stats on this better than I do. I also know that some crazy number of people in assisted living homes are all on antidepressants for good reason. In fact- I, I almost feel like it should be encouraged because your hormone levels, your happy hormone levels, you start losing those too as you get older. Right. So what's fascinating is the way to prevent that narrowing down of your ability to be strong and your ability to be happy is that you have to start exercising those muscles, literally. So I recently got a trainer for a period of time to start lifting heavy weights. I've never done that before. And I noticed a huge difference. And I think if I, if I didn't change what I'm already doing and push against it and add weight, then my muscle mass would start to go down. And the same with happiness. If I keep doing what I've always done, I'm going to slowly start losing a happy, hopeful, optimistic perspective on life. Unless I make a concerted effort to do things like try new things, be with younger people, be with people like re re up my effort to find connection with people, live in the sunshine, live in nature, all those things. I have to be active about doing them. But the catch is I'm less likely to want to. Yes. It's, it's, it becomes more of a choice, but I think it catches on itself. Like the more you make choices towards happiness, towards strength, the easier it is, but you can see quickly how it can go the other way. Right. The choice, the choices become harder. Yeah. You know, we are less prone to do such. So, you know, it's in the, in the later seasons of life that we need the most intentionality, mm-hmm. you know, to some degree in your thirties and forties and, and even into your fifties, 
you can operate a lot of life on autopilot. Yeah. You know, you're doing your career, you're raising your kids, you're you're doing life and your choices and, and the path is pretty much in front of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you get to a later stage in life, uh, all of these things become optional mm-hmm. as to whether you do that. And therefore, intentionality becomes so much more important. And if you haven't predefined, in my mind, what is important to you and what will take you down the path that you want to go, then the chances of making those regular intentional choices goes way down. I would imagine for you with the lifting weights, somewhere in that decision, you got information that muscle mass goes down and that, and you began to think it doesn't matter whether I lift weights today, but it will matter for me down the road. So there was an intentionality and you probably didn't want to do it. I, no, I didn't. And in fact, I've recently fallen off and I noticed a big difference and it's going to take work for me to get back to it. But, um, I, it's just, it's, the obstacle is in the beginning with the choice, but then once it starts, it becomes easier and easier. And that's mm-hmm. where this whole idea of finishing well, you have to have that long view. Um, and I like the idea you have mentioned that you, like we could say, sit and read a book, like you read this book. And so you're thinking in theory, oh, okay, I want to be, what kind of old man do I want to be? Right. But how do you, how do you keep that intentionality with you as you go about your day? Like, how do you not just get sidetracked? Well, one of the ways is something that we talked about a while back in an episode that is one of the best practices that I do for my own well-being. And that's uh, I review this list every week. You review your, your I what review. I want to be like when I'm old every week? Every week. Wow. That's great. Every week. And I have done this for more years than I can remember. I do that along with, you know, some other things that I do. I call it my weekly review and I look at it every week. If I didn't do that, there is no way in the world I would remember anything that I wrote down Mm -hmm. 15 years ago, nor would I be making any decisions along the way that would be pushing me Mm -hmm. in that direction. And so because I review it every week, I'm looking at it and, you know, the review takes literally 30 seconds to a minute, mm-hmm. but in that 30 seconds to a minute, there's a reflection of, am I moving in that direction? Is this where I'm going? And the last one on my list, help others thrive is my latest Edition. In fact, it's the only new one mm-hmm. from my original list. And it came out of doing this review every week and all of a sudden getting to an older age where I'm not necessarily the person up front. I'm not the one leading the company where I realize my goal now is to help others thrive, help others be the best they can be. And that's the important thing. So that became an addition That was just a function of looking at this thing every week and saying, is this the direction I'm going? And I think that weekly review, I'll I'll put that in the show notes to that old episode, because that's been one of the most 
uh, impactful habits mm-hmm. that I ever incorporated in my life is that every week there are certain things that I look at and remind myself that if I didn't do it, guaranteed they would be forgotten and what, however good that old thought would be would be lost. So in terms of how do I put this into practice, I remind myself every single week. Uh, and, you know, within this, I hope uh, there's a big dose of realism mm-hmm. for me. You know, live mission as much as I am able for as long as I am able. I don't know how long that'll be. I don't know whether, you know, that's going to change, you know, next week. Mm-hmm. But as long as I am able, as much as I am able, I want to live my mission, which is my purpose in life, which is te- teaching and helping people grow. Same thing with health. I feel absolutely great now, probably best I've ever felt. And I want to stay as healthy as my body and age will allow. I know there's going to come a time where that's going to change or it will decline no matter what I do. But Finishing well means I want to stay as healthy as my body will allow and my efforts will allow. So there's a a realism, and and particularly now, you know, uh, as I get older, I have to realize uh, I can do a lot of things to push back, but I am old. Mm -hmm. That's a weird thing to say. Yeah, you know, I I like how you, two of them, I just want to draw attention to that last one where you say, I want to help others to thrive. And then at at some point in there, you talked about um, reaching out to people who are younger than you. Yes. Or Mm -hmm. how did you put it? Orienting? Embrace other orientation, always reaching to those younger than I. Yeah. So when I think of older people that I admire that are still relevant um, there are some public figures that I can think of. I recently, a couple of months ago, read this biography of Bono, and I think of him as he has been around for so long, and he's still going on tour. And one of the things that I noted about him is that he has been willing to embrace kind of new things, new technology. He's And he's not judgmental about the younger generation. Right. And I find that... I don't know if this is, has been true, how long this has been true, but I find that we tend to judge not the generation right beneath us, but the one beneath that. Right. And right. I wonder if it's because we are not in close relationship with and friendship with enough people two generations younger than us. Um, because I think when you know people face-to-face and not just what you read about them in the news or theoretically like, oh, millennials or Gen Z or all that, they are this way. But when you actually know people, you see the good and the bad. Yes. And you mm-hmm. find that there's some really refreshing things. Like I am leading a group with some women in their 20s right now, and it's been a new thing. You encouraged me to do it. First of all, I'm having the best time. It's delightful. They're hilarious. But it's also making me feel really hopeful about the world. It, it, like, it's Isn't funny. There's yeah. all these stereotypes. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. making me feel so hopeful about the world. So it's this finishing well thing. It's like a positive version of a hamster wheel. Like once you get on it, these positive steps, they feed into other positive steps. So I feel more hopeful spending time with younger people. And it's fitting my age that I... um 
am able, like I have something to offer them because I've lived a lot of life right. and it doesn't take a ton of effort either. I'm just, you know, like I've learned some things in living and same with you. Like it's age appropriate for you to be giving back because of all the wisdom you've accrued. But it's not the natural path. No. The, the natural path is stick with people like yourself Yeah, that are, you know, going through the same things and the natural path is to begin to think of yourself as irrelevant and of not interest to people who are younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, the natural path is to think that's going to take a lot of effort. All of those things are the natural path. And, you know, what you realize, what, I, what I've certainly realized, and I think you're expressing the same thing, is that there's this tremendous give-take that you do this and whether you're doing it for them or not, you are the massive beneficiary of doing it. And there's so much value and life and for and vitality that I get out of investing in those younger. And I think there's something for me to give. And so it sets a pattern and hopefully it sets a pattern for those younger to say, okay, I want to look to older people for wisdom mm-hmm. and not discount them. And that's also the type of older person I want to be is to be investing in. So there's, there's so much value um, in that. And, and the, the funny thing kind of about this list is the list is all about finishing. Well, it's kind of like, you know, on your deathbed, but every single one of these things are the key things that are giving me life right now. Right. So it's it's not just about how you feel on your deathbed. It ends up impacting the quality of life today. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Every single one of them. And the more that I embrace them, the more I take that uh, finishing well goal of always continue growing, the more I lean into that, I have a blast. I'm loving learning about AI. I'm loving learning about, you know, the intricacies of editing a podcast. Mm-hmm. I love learning. And I, so I'm getting all of the benefits now from that. It's not just about, okay, I want to be better when I'm 80 years old. It's right now. And that's why this is so valuable, I think, for younger people to take on and to think about this and to go through this in their minds because the things that you identify are the things that will not only enable you to finish well, but they're the things that will enable you to live abundantly right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. And I, um, I just have been thinking about some of the older people that I really admire and they have this incredible impact if they are happy people like being around happy older people brings so much hope to a younger person and seeing an older person who is like let me just talk about my in-laws for a minute they are married happily married they which that's not to say you can't have a quality life if you're divorced or single or whatever but that that just happens to be what they are they're married happily and um my my mother-in-law was one of the first women to be ordained. As, first of all, she didn't go to college until after her own children 
had graduated from college. When I met her, as I met her as a 17-year-old, she had not gone to college. And I remember thinking she was the most well-read woman I'd ever met who was not, had not been to college. Then she goes to college. Then she gets a, a full MDiv and one is the, was one of the first ordained women coming out of her seminary. This was in a time where that was sort of pushing the envelope. Then she worked as a pastor in a local church. And now she's mentoring younger women, and she's 75 years old and has an autoimmune disease, like a serious mm. autoimmune She's Parkinson's. She is mentoring younger women, almost 10 of them, who are eagerly looking for women to teach them how to have families, how to raise children, and respond to their own like personal calling in life, whether it be through seminary or through a corporate job. And you would not believe the number of people who are clamoring to spend intentional time with her to gain wisdom for, from her. And I just mm. think it's, it's, it's so validating for her. It makes her life really full, but she's also this great grandmother and has provided such a blessing over my children and the other children in the family. And to me, it makes me hopeful about who I want to be when I'm older. And it also gives me like, a point in the distance to shoot for a, a clear visual. Yeah, yeah. A point in the distance yeah. to shoot for. And I mean, I think older people who are happy, who are making a difference have no idea the blessing that they bring to those around them. You're so, you're so right. I mean, I love that. I mean, that, that could be something on your list, you know, yeah. that, uh, you're going to strive with all you can be to actually be a happy older person. And that's tough. That's a tough challenge. But as you think about that, that can be something that you say, okay, I'm, I'm not moving in that direction. What do I, you know, what course correction do I need to go? Yeah. So I, I don't know. What I love about the Gordon McDonald book is um, exactly what you did is he began to think about who are the older people that I do look up to, that I do aspire to, and what is the character? What are the characteristics about them mm-hmm. that I'm drawn to? And that's that's a, an incredible uh, process to go through. So I I, I love that. Um, okay, so Tommy, what if you're listening and you're feeling like I'm not one of those people that people are going to look to for advice. I'm not going to be able to have a podcast. I maybe have made a lot of mistakes. I live with a lot of regret, which I know you and I both have that too. It's just not something that we're talking about out front, but we, we all have that. That's a part of being a human. So what do you do if you are feeling like I'm aging and I can't age well because I've made so any mistakes and I have some burnt bridges or my relationships with my family isn't great. Like, like what's a hopeful step that we could take? Well, first of all, I would, I would challenge the, um, the phrasing, I can't age well. Mm. Um, we may not age well. We may not do the things that we need to age well, but there is more in our control than we will often give credit for. Granted, there are many things that are outside of our control, and I'm not minimizing those in the slightest, but there are more things that are in our control 
that we need to acknowledge. We may not choose to do that. The, the second thing I would say is that the beauty of this exercise is that everybody's answers to this are going to be different because everybody's story and everybody's path is different. And my answers happen to work for me, but they should be different than the answers you would come up mm -hmm. with this. And so very often it's in the very hardest experiences of our life and in our brokenness and in our failures that we can find the most meaning and the most redemption in our older years. And so if we get to a certain stage and we say, I don't have anything to offer, I've not done well, there's the opportunity to start again mm -hmm. and to find meaning and to offer encouragement and the possibility of change to others. So I think one of the beauties like in scripture is, is the verse where it says God's mercies are new every morning. Mm -hmm. And so as hard as it is for some people and their life circumstances, and again, not to make minimize them in the slightest, God's mercies are new every morning. And we do have the ability to start one step at a time to move towards a vision of how would we finish well, given where our life has been, and given the obstacles that we have at the present, at this day and time, what does it mean for me to finish the rest of my life well? Mm -hmm. That's a worthwhile question to someone who's in the lowest place. Mm. Well, and I, I love that idea of that mercies are new every morning and built into the spiritual narrative that's in the Bible and built into the natural world is this idea of death leading to new life, like a seed has to die and be broken open and then new life will come. And there's this mechanism in the universe, we believe, but even if you don't believe, of generative life is always happening and it always follows some sort of dying. And the spiritual version of that is the idea of being honest with areas of your life that you do regret, that you do feel like you've done wrong and wish you could redo. And having the courage to kind of face that, and, and the word in, in the church world is repentance, which sounds kind of harsh, but really it's just an acknowledging of ways you want to be different. It's a form of dying, saying, I don't want this anymore. I don't want this, no. this way of life. And then God promises out of that to bring new life when we lay down an old way of life. And I, I think that there's just so many stories throughout history of people at all ages and all stages having these moments of little mini death and life. Yes. It's very true. I, I, I like to think um, 
of the question, who am I? Mm. And I think really the more important question than who am I is who am I becoming? Mm. And so I think of, let's just say that I were to claim that I have lived the best life mm-hmm. and I'm in the absolute optimum place right now of everybody out there. If starting today, I were to make different decisions, eat differently, take on different habits, it would take me no time to take that high position and be in an incredibly bad place. Mm -hmm. The same thing is true regardless of where we are. Mm -hmm. You know, people who are dealing with estranged relationships, people who have made, as you say, really bad decisions, uh, people who are not happy now, Mm -hmm. who physically are not doing well. It's about who we are becoming. Mm -hmm. And those decisions are one by one, small by small, and they begin with a little bit of a vision. Mm -hmm. And uh, as much as that can sound unrealistic and Pollyanna, I I just believe it's true. Mm -hmm. I've seen too many people's lives changed. And and you take that word that we've turned into a really ugly word in a lot of ways, repent. And really all that word means is turn around. Mm. That's what the word means. Turn back. Yeah. 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 So, um, so that's all we need to to do. Mm -hmm. And we all have places we have to do that. You know, this hopefully gives us a Noah star to turn to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And let me throw something else out there. You mentioned that as we get older, our lives get narrower and we start living with um, less optionality. So recently I worked with a, a life coach or a career coach in town and she, he used to podcast with you, Steve Perkins. He's yeah. a greenhouse coach, coaching. Give him a big shout out. If you Absolutely. ever, if you're a company or you as an individual want to work with someone, I really suggest him. And one of the things I love about uh, working with Steve is that he is fearless about trying things. And I love trying things, but as I get older, I'm less that way. And he calls it research. So we think of the word research when it comes to like a science lab. But what if, as you're trying to age well, and you're trying to broaden your life and find new things that bring life, you looked at things you tried as research. So, so often when we try to do something new as we're aging, it takes so much effort and energy to go out and do it. And if it doesn't go well, you're just, you feel like, oh, I'm back to where I started. Or whether it's trying to eat a different way or exercise, and it's just so hard. Well, he tells the story, and I can't remember which podcast it was, where he was trying a form of marketing for his new company. And he said, the reason he nailed it is not because he nailed it. The reason he nailed it is because he tried over the course of one year something like 50 times as many sort of efforts as the standard entrepreneur would have done. And so by trying all these new things, he figured out what worked and what catches. And I think the same can apply for us yeah. as we as we age. Like it could be trying new restaurants, trying new activities, picking up a new hobby, and like maybe nine out of 10 of them don't catch. But if we're doing kind of aging research with our lives, then some of them will. And then you never know when those new habits or those new new activities 
can be like a keystone thing that unlocks even more pathways. It's it's so true. And Steve's a, a great example of that. And that's that's a mentality he'll probably take in, into older age. He's just gonna he's just gonna keep on uh, researching. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And, and we've talked about it. We just keep on practicing. It's all practice. Yeah, you use the word practice. Yeah. He uses the word research. They're great. But for both of them, they've really shifted my mindset when when I'm having to push myself to try something new. If it doesn't go well, or if it doesn't go as well or as perfectly as I thought, I think that was practice. What did I learn from it? Or that was research. Now I need to try a new, like a new test tube of an activity. Like I th- imagine literally like a scientific data chart yeah. and I'm like, check that worked or no, that didn't work. And if you approach no. life that way, it really, it, it helps us to have more fun and be a little more lighthearted about it. Well, and I'll use an example uh, out of my life that's gone in some ways, you would say the the wrong way, you mm-hmm. know, out of out of this idea of stretching and trying new things and and pushing myself. I decided after a, a long hiatus to get back into tennis. I used to play a fair amount of tennis, and so uh, I joined a league and uh, was kind of tested to figure out where I fit in this league. And I am, you know, without just objectively the worst person on the team. And I've now played two seasons of having to live with clearly being the worst person on the team. Worse to the degree that it's pretty humiliating. And, you know, there's been times that I thought, okay, you tried that, give up on it. But I thought, you know, there's something that's kind of good. I'm trying it. I'm the worst I may not always be the worst, but I am right now. And so just own it and have fun and rise above it. And that's not easy for me because I'm very competitive. Yeah, sure. Well, Um, I can see it would be hard to play a sport and be the worst, you know, if you've experienced being the best before. But that in and of itself is probably a new experience. Yeah. So it's, you know, all of these things. It's just that's what makes life fun. That's great. Well, any closing thoughts about finishing well? I'm not sure we covered everything you wanted to. Well, what's really, uh, to me, important, what I want to encourage people to do is to try this exercise. Mm -hmm. You know, to sit down, you don't have to spend a massively long period of time. You don't have to go into ultra introspection mode to do this. Just sit down and think about and make a list of what kind of older person do you want to be. If you don't know do exactly what you did think of older people that that you really respect and admire that you want to be like what is it about that person and see if you can come up with a list Mm -hmm. and see if that list is meaningful to you worst case you spend an hour of your time and you've wasted some time on it but I'm convinced that this is a, a great exercise and that if you are willing to review it it can be a guiding exercise for you over the years as it has been for me. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I'm convinced of the value and wisdom of this, not necessarily of mine. Mine are wise and they're good for me, but of each person coming up with their own list out of their own story, out of their own inadequacies, 
out of their own passions and desires. You know, what does that list look like? And so all of the talking really comes down to, you know, trying to encourage those who are listening to this to give this a try. And if you do, honestly, I'd love to hear your experience about it. You can email me at tommythompson.org. I'd love to hear what it's like, even if it doesn't work out for you, because I believe in this that much as a process. Well, that's a great takeaway to write a list. And I think if writing that list is defeating or makes you feel like, I really got off track, like when did this happen? And just as, you know, I mean, a lot of us after the pandemic, we're not where we want to be. Yeah. Or maybe there's been a crisis in our family or a health issue or whatever. It's, it's like these, these things can happen in our life where we get way off track. Or maybe it was just a few small decisions and mm-hmm. over the years of the pandemic, we got off track. It was sort of a slow thing. But just as one degree over a couple of years could end us in a very different place, one degree turning back, or as we said, repenting, repenting is just a turning. It's just a turning. Just a turning. And one degree of turning back over time can lead you back to these goals, this, this list of finishing well. So that would be my addition to the takeaway Quite. is writing a vision of where you want to be. And if you're not where you want to be, just taking a small one degree turn to turn back. That's great. Thanks so much. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this. Again, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, what's worked, what you don't agree with. I also would love it if you would share these thoughts and this episode with others. That's really what will help this grow, uh, you know, to be something that can be beneficial to other people. So please share your thoughts and share this episode with with others that you think might benefit from it. Thanks so much for listening.